Hey, Pastor Sean here. Thank you so much for checking out our sermons online. I want to let you know whether this is your first time watching one of our sermons or you're just reviewing a sermon that you've heard here on the campus. I will welcome you, but I do want to let you know we have a core value at Coastal Community Church, and that core value is that you find a local church to be a part of. And so uh, if this, hopefully this sermon series or this sermon is supplementing your spiritual growth, but I want to encourage you to find a, a local church. If you live in the Yorktown, Virginia area, we would love for you to visit us. We have three services, uh, 8 o'clock, 9, 30, and 11, and we meet at 101 Village Avenue. Thank you so much for checking out this sermon online. I hope it encourages your walk and your journey with Jesus Christ. Well, I hope you're glad to be part of a church that's just doing ministry all over the place. As you, as you know now, was this thing here last time I preached? Because I went through water like crazy, and I kept having to bend over to the floor to pick it up. And now it's convenient. Um, Pastor Sean and Pastor Andrew are with the team in uh, Thailand. Uh, several weeks ago, Pastor Joey uh, said, listen, would you preach on the 14th? I'm slated to lead worship, and I don't want it to be the Joey show. And so uh, I said, well, of course, I'd love to. And so we got going with that. And then about a week ago, Pastor Joey realized that Nate was actually slated to lead worship. So he was going to have a day off. And then just yesterday, a friend of his who pastors a church in the area called him and said, listen, I am sick as a dog with the flu, and I need somebody to preach, or i got to cancel services at my church because I'm the only pastor there. So Pastor Joey is preaching there this morning. So we're just coastals doing ministry all over the place this morning, and uh, I'm really glad for that. I suspect that there are some of you who are coming to the end or have finished 2017 and are just absolutely delighted to bid it goodbye. It has been a rough year. You've had hard, difficult circumstances in your life. You are, you are really glad not to have to think about that and get a fresh slate. And there's something about the, the fresh slate of a new year that's really a positive thing. Others of you had a great 2017, and you hope it continues. You, you got married. You added a new uh, child to your home. You got another job that is better than the one you had before, whatever the circumstance I think that there is a mixture of that among us, and I think it's a wonderful opportunity to come to a new year and begin to think a little strategically, what's this year going to be like in my life for the glory of God? So I'm going to talk about that. I want you to find your way to Psalm 90. It's going to be a little while, so if you have a little, if it's been a while since you've been in the Psalms, you have some time, because i got a lot I want to cover first, but I was watching a show uh, two weeks ago, maybe now, uh, that uh, just kind of caught my curiosity, and it was a show about all of the various celebrities, or many of them, that have passed away in 2017. Uh, if, if you have someone in your own life that passed away uh, in this past year, that's certainly far more important to you than any celebrity. But there were all sorts of them. Jim Neighbors passed away, Gomer Pyle, uh, um, Mary Tyler Moore passed away, uh, Tom Petty of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers died. There are all sorts of people uh, who are celebrities, most all of them in the entertainment industry. Uh, Adam West, if you're a Batman fan, of course, he was one of the early Batman uh, people. There were all sorts of people who finished their life on this earth in 2017. One of them stood out to me uh, and really set me back, in fact when it was announced uh, in this program 
so much so that I went to do a little research on this man's life, and it wasn't so much because of what he accomplished or the impact that he had on the entertainment industry or culture in general, but it was because of his final words. Katie Cassidy, daughter of David Cassidy, of the Partridge family, for those of you who remember back in the day, died at 67 this past year. Katie tweeted this on the 24th of November, words can't express the solace our family has received from all of the love and support during this trying time. My father's last words were so much wasted time. This will be a daily reminder for me to share my gratitude with those I love as to never waste another minute. Thank you. So much wasted time. I, I was... I still find it very hard to take that in, that the final words of a man's life would be so much wasted time. I don't know about you, but I don't want to come to the end of even 2018, let alone my life, and have to look back and say, boy, I wasted a lot of time. So I want to talk about that a little bit. But I don't want to get into the whole goal setting and New Year's resolutions and all of that stuff uh, some of you love New Year's resolutions. Few of you keep them, uh, at least till March. Uh, some of you are pretty strategic. Some of you are pretty flexible. There's all varieties of ways that we approach 2018, but we've all got a blank slate. I want to zoom out a little bit. I want to get some perspective from the scriptures from Psalm 90 on life as a whole and what life is like and why, why it seems that it just breezes by. I mean, I know they, they say the older you get, the faster time seems to fly, and I'm, I'm beginning to really grasp what that means. There are some of you here that, that look back and you, you just don't know where the time has gone. So I want to give us a little perspective on why is it that life seems so brief? And then I want to to close with four prayers that are at the end of Psalm 90 that I think are good prayers to pray as we enter a new year. So that's where we're headed. Psalm 90. Now, again, you're, you're there by now, but I want to give you a little background so you understand when I read through some of these words, you get a sense for the feel of what's going on here in Psalm 90 as Moses, the man of God, writes these words. Those are the opening words of that psalm, and many times we have information that tells us where did we get this from best as we can tell as we research the circumstances of Moses life he wrote this psalm which of course if Moses wrote this uh, since he wrote this it's it's the earliest psalm written that we have in the book of Psalms and he is likely in the wilderness with the children of Israel they are in the period of wilderness wandering Briefly, the wilderness wandering happened at the end of a long period of time of suffering. We are very soon going to be re-engaging our study in the book of Genesis together as a church family, and we're going to look at the life of Abraham, who was the father of faith and the, the father of the nation of Israel and the great, wonderful truths and promise found there. As part of the promise that God gave to Abraham was your, your descendants are going to spend 450 years in a land under people that do not know me or love me. And sure enough, true to God's word, the children of Israel spent 450 years in the land of Egypt in slavery. 
crying out to God, pleading with God to give them freedom from slavery, to let them, to let them free, to let them go. And he did. He sent Moses with his spokesperson, Aaron, and they, they brought plagues from God upon the children of uh, the, the people of Egypt, representing ten of the gods that the Egyptians worshipped to show the power of God over all. And the children of Israel left, and in, in Exodus chapter 12 and verse 37, we are told that when they left Egypt, there were 600,000 men besides women and children. A little quick math tells me it's not hard to imagine there are probably two million people that are part of the nation of Israel when they leave Egypt. And after a couple of years, when they are ready to go into the land of Canaan, which is the land that God promised to them, they send in 12 spies, one man to represent every tribe, and they go into the land and they begin to spy out the land to see what's there, to find out what this is going to be like. What's this experience going to be like? These were the, the strategic planners for Israel. And they go in and they find the land to be exactly as God had promised. It was flowing with milk and honey as they described it and as God had described it. The fruit was amazing. The, the produce of the land was incredible. It was just beyond their dreams almost. But ten of them came back and said to the children of Israel and to Moses and Aaron, their leaders, but the people of the land are huge. They're monstrous. We can't do this. They are so big, they'll destroy us. And Joshua and Caleb said, so what? They're big. This is the land God promised us. Let's do this. But the people followed, the people of Israel followed the ten spies. And they rebelled and said, we're not going in there to be destroyed. Why did you even lead us out here? We'd have been better off if we'd stayed back in Egypt. Making, living off of leeks and onions and all this stuff in the wilderness. This is just craziness. And God at that point had had enough. And in the, the text, it it says, I didn't write it down to quote it, but it says kind of something like this, that God said to Moses, step back. I've had enough of these people. I'm going to wipe them out. You know, you get angry enough, you want somebody to step out of the way so they don't get sideswiped. God is ready to destroy these several million people because they have just rebelled over and over. They just watched him bring them out with great drama and great power from Egypt. And yet they say, oh no, we can't do this. Sorry, those people are too big. That obstacle's too large. We'll never overcome it. Moses and Aaron plead with God for God's own reputation and say, but the people of the nations will look and say, you brought them out, but you couldn't take them into the next step of their history. And God says, okay, I won't destroy them right now, but here's what's going to happen. That spy mission was 40 days long. So there's going to be a year for every day they were in that spy mission, and they're going to wander in this wilderness for 40 years until everybody who's 20 years old and older dies. 
and all of the young ones who weren't able to make this decision, who didn't have the authority or sway to make this decision, they'll go in and I'll give them the land. Everybody 20 years old and older is going to die. So for 40 years, it's the world's history's longest death march. In fact, again, trying to do a little math, and, and I was not very good at math, so if you really want to check it out and you know, prove me wrong, that's okay. But I'm figuring there got to be about 103 people every day that died. 37,000 people every year till about three quarters of them were gone. After a while, that's got to wear on you, right? 103 people. Now, when you got 2 million, 103 is probably maybe not even going to affect you but right away, but it's eventually going to zero in, right? It's going to hone in. You're going to, you're going to realize, man, this is bad. To put it in perspective, on a given Sunday, we have somewhere in the ballpark of about 1,500 people at Coastal. If 37 of them died in 2018, and 37 more died in 2019, and 37 more every year for the next 40 years, what would that do to your psyche? Besides maybe prompt you to consider finding another church home. <laughs> it would wear you down and make you so aware of the temporary nature of life. That's the background into which Moses writes these words. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it's past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They're like a dream. Like grass that's renewed in the morning, it f in the morning it flourishes and is renewed, in the evening it fades and withers. That's pretty potent stuff. As Moses writes about all of these people, 103 people every day, somebody else is waking up in the morning and the person in the tent near them has, has died in the night. Or they're walking along, making it to their next place in their nomadic lifestyle, and somebody else just cannot take another step. 103 people, 37,000 every day are dying. And Moses writes, becoming painfully aware of what life is like. And he writes to us and shares, us with, shares with us several things. And the first of them, and, and now you can get your notes out if you want, is he offers an important contrast. He begins where we always should begin, and that is with God, and says, God is eternal. He's our place of refuge. You've been our dwelling place, our, our place that we run to through all generations, literally from generation to generation. As the generations have gone on, and he's been aware of many of them, they had generations of people that were born, lived, and died in slavery in Egypt. 
and now an entire generation of people that are going to die in the wilderness and another generation that's going to go into Canaan from generation to generation. He's very aware of God's continual presence and the fact that in all generations, God has been the place people run to for refuge. Before creation, before the mountains were brought forth, before you ever formed the world, before anything in the material world existed, you are God. If you think that everything that we see around us just kind of randomly happened, you have way more faith than I do. It is so intricate, I cannot help but believe that somebody designed it. And before the mountains came around, before the earth was here, there was God. From everlasting to everlasting. We have a hard time getting a grip on everlasting because while we we know that mankind is going to live forever. We're all going to live forever somewhere. When we die at the end of this life, that's not it. We don't just go back to dust and that's it. We'll always exist somewhere. None of us have ever done that yet. And none of us has ever existed previous to when we were conceived. We don't, we don't grasp the idea of from everlasting to everlasting, but I think that's part of the point, don't you? God is so awesome that even his existence is beyond our understanding or imagination. Two words used for God in here. Lord, it begins the psalm with. That's not, that's not the, the word of God's relationship, his covenant name. That's the word for God's mastery over everything. Lord, sovereign one. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God, the powerful one. The sovereign, powerful God is eternal. That's the first part of the contrast. The second part is this. Man is frail and temporary. I know maybe you were hoping to come to the first service of the new year and just be pumped up and excited. (laughs) We'll get there. I hope that by the end of this time, you'll recognize why there's good reason for hope and confidence as you face a new year. But I think understanding some of this perspective on life is really important. Man is frail and temporary. He talks about things like returning man to dust. Again, an evidence that God's promise is true, right? Adam and Eve sinned ate of the fruit of the tree. They had the entire garden. God said, you can eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden except for one. And typical to mankind, they thought, well, why can't I eat the one? I know I have 300 other trees, but why can't I eat from that one? And Satan stepped in and brought temptation to Eve, and she took and she ate and she gave it to Adam, and he ate and In an instant, mankind was cast under the curse of sin. And God said, because you've done this, you will die. And he told them in the morning, before they ate it, he said, in the day you eat of that, you're going to die. 
And Adam may have briefly thought in the days following, I didn't die. Not realizing that in the instant he ate that fruit, he began to die. His body began to degenerate. It seems really quick, though, doesn't it? I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing that everybody knows your age, but I turned 57 this past summer. So I'm, by all uh, common interpretations, in the latter half of my time here. Hopefully early in the latter half, but that's, that's up to the Lord. And it just seems like life is flying by. And I talked to my dad, who's 30 years older than me. He's going to be 88 years of age here in just a few weeks. And he uses phrase with, phrases with me like, I don't know where the time has gone. Life flies by. We are swept away. We're like a dream. We're like grass. James talks about wildflowers and how they, they spring up quickly and they're all pretty and beautiful and by evening the sun has come out and they're wilted and nasty and ready to be thrown in the fire. James also says this in 4.14. What is your life? You are a vapor, a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. The point is the transitory nature of man. We're frail, and God has no bondage to time. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? A thousand years are but as yesterday when they're passed to God. There is a, a watch in the night. I, I'm told there was a fellow one time who, who tried to use that to his advantage and said to, said to God, Lord, uh, a, a thousand years is like... a." just a day to you, right? Yeah, that's, that's true. Why does God always have a low voice? I don't know. Um, so, 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 Lord, does that mean that a thousand dollars is kind of like a penny? Yeah, I, I suppose so. Well, Lord, um, could I have a quarter? Why don't, why don't you ask me again tomorrow? It is not that we literally know that a thousand years is just one day for God. It is that for God, there is no time. He's not bound by time. We don't get that. We wake up in the morning, and the first thing I do is look at the clock. What time is it? Oh, good night. It's only 4.30. I'm going back to sleep, or whatever. We, we have this, this constant awareness of time. We live by time. God has no bondage by time. He, it is like a watch in the night. It's like a few hours of night. You go to sleep, you wake up four, five, six, seven hours later, and it's like, I thought I just went to sleep. There is no time for God. He is eternal, powerful, sovereign. Man is frail and temporary. It's an important contrast. We need to remember that as we face a new year. And then, 
He adds an important reminder in the next few verses, two things that are reality checks for us. Beginning in verse 7. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. I want to remind you that apart from the work of Jesus Christ, In securing our salvation, we would have nothing to face with God but his wrath, but his anger. And the fact that there is evil and suffering in the world is a result of the fact that there is sin in the world. I I know that not everything that I experience in my life is a direct result, result of some particular sin I committed. We learned that from Job, who was a man of integrity and yet a man who suffered greatly. But all of the suffering I face is due to the fact that there's sin in the world. Some of it is related to my own sin. Some of it's related to the sin of people around me. Some of it's related to the sin of people that I have nothing to do with. Some of it's just the fact that my body is dying. I went out yesterday with a group of people to our new campus in Gloucester. Really exciting. I I, I confess to a lack of faith. I, I figured if we had six or eight people or so show up, I'd be really happy. We'd get some painting done at our new facility. We had 25 people show up. <laughs> you think Gloucester's excited about getting a campus out there? We, we went through 10 gallons of paint in three hours. It was awesome. But I woke up this morning and my, my back's a little sore and my knee's kind of hurting and I was painting for three hours and my shoulder kind of hurts because things are just wearing out. And I know you, I know, you know the feeling And the older we get, the more we wear out and we catch diseases. One of our team members, we were to have seven in Thailand. On Thursday, one of them came down with the flu. By Thursday evening, had 103 fever and could not go on this trip and is still homesick today. We get sick. We get feeble. We get frail because of the reality of sin in the world. It affects us thoroughly. And then the reality, verse 10 and 11, of the brevity of life. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? Now remember... Moses is watching as 37,000 people every year have died. And sometime into that experience, he realizes, man, this is just hard. I don't think Moses is being the eternal pessimist here. I don't think he's just being Eeyore, right? Oh me, oh my, we'll never make it. I don't think he's just... I think he's just saying, listen, life is hard. There are seasons of of our lives that are just incredibly painful. And absolutely, there are great seasons of joy and, and thrill. But on the whole, 
I mean, it's all about growing older and eventually dying, right? I mean, life is fatal. Again, I know, I'm sorry, it's, we're not there yet. We're coming. <laughs> but I think it is important to recognize the reality of the brevity of life. So, with those things in mind, I want to suggest four prayers from you from the closing verses of this psalm. As you face a new year, four godly prayers for 2018. Verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Lord, teach us to use our days wisely. I know you have to rest now and then. I know that you can't spend every possible minute being as efficient as you possibly can. I, I, I have a difficult time doing that. But could we learn this year? Could we ask God to teach us to use our days more wisely than we have perhaps in the past? Ephesians 5, verses 15 and 16 say, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. I would like to suggest that this year, instead of bemoaning how horrible everything, look at the world around us. The culture is going down the toilet. Everything's bad. There's wars and rumors of war. There's all these terrible things. Isn't it just awful that things just aren't the way they used to be? I want to say this year, let's just pray instead. Lord, teach us to use our days wisely because the days are evil that we live in. So let's make the best use of the brief time that we've got here so that God can be glorified in the greatest way. I don't know how that's going to be for you. But that's a great prayer to wake up every morning. Lord, help me to use today wisely. Secondly, verse 14, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Satisfy us with your faithfulness every day. I want to encourage you to make a conscious effort every day this year to watch for God's faithfulness to you. Remember this old hymn? Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Do you, do you know the chorus? you remember that? Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. It's good to think about the faithfulness of God, right? Lord, satisfy us. Teach us to be satisfied with your faithfulness every day. Thirdly, verse 16. 
Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Show your work and power, Lord. And it's like he adds, especially to our kids. You know, we fuss about, I think every generation of of grandparents and then parents is kind of fussed about the youngest generation that's around or the, maybe the second youngest. Oh, kids just aren't like they used to be. You know, there are a lot of things that are good about that, right? I mean, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't necessarily, I didn't ever really want my kids to be like I was when I was their age. So, uh, you know, it isn't always a bad thing. Some of that is because we have not given them that constant stream of reminder. Look at what God is doing. Look at the work of God over here. Look at God's power evidenced here in this situation in our lives. When you've, when you've come through 2017 and it's been a hard year, can you say to your kids, listen, look at how the power of God has brought us through difficult circumstances. Look at how God has worked in our lives in the middle of tragedy. Look how God has done things in our lives and worked in us in the midst of positive circumstances. God is not bound to working under either positive or negative circumstances. God is at work. We need to watch for it and talk about it. Moses told the children of Israel, all this stuff you're learning about God, talk about it with your kids all the time. When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise, constantly let this be on your mind and on your heart and on your lips. Talk to your kids about the power and the work of God and watch for it. Oh God, would you show us your power and your work this year? And then lastly, verse 17. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Oh God, would you let your favor rest on us and make our work effective. You know, maybe, just maybe, some of those New Year's resolutions you've made in past years and by maybe June or February, I don't know, you weren't really hanging in there with them, Maybe it's because you just made a resolution that didn't have any connection to God and the importance of what God is doing in your life. Maybe you do need to be eating more healthy, not so that you can look better, but so that you can be more effective for the service of God. And maybe you need to work hard at that and ask God to make you effective in doing that. James told people in, in the letter that he wrote, listen, You guys, your problem is you're saying we're going to go to this city, we're going to spend a year or two there, we're going to buy, we're going to sell, we're going to make some money. He said what you should say is if the Lord wills, we're going to do this. It's not not just a tagline. It's a a daily focus of, oh God, I'm going to work hard today as I'm a carpenter, as I'm uh, I'm a whatever, farmer, whatever it happens to be. I work as an accountant. I work in a school setting as a teacher or an administrative person. Whatever it is that I'm doing, Lord, I'm going to work hard today because I know that honors you. And I'm asking you to take my work because I know I'm weak. 
I know I'm, un- I know I'm feeble and frail. I know that's true. I'm going to work hard, Lord, and I'm asking you, would you establish the work of my hands? Great prayers to start a new year. If you're in a small group that's still running, I, I would encourage you to take some time and mull some of that over together. Talk about it. How can I, as a school teacher, use my time wisely? How, as a school teacher, would I be able to, to demonstrate to the kids that I teach that maybe I'm really not supposed to be too blatant about it, but how can I show them the faithfulness of God? How can I talk to my clients as an accountant or a carpenter or as a house cleaner or whatever? How can I exhibit these things so that others can see them? So I want to give you a couple thoughts because that's, that's me. I need it simple and tied up. A question, several of them. Are you using your limited days to the glory of God? Pray these prayers and ask God, would you, would you take my limited days? I may live through 2018 and I may live for 30 more years or 60 more years, but my days are limited nonetheless because I'm temporary and I know that. Lord, would you help me to use my days wisely for your glory. Secondly, are you watching and praying for God's faithfulness and power every day? Every day, God is faithful to you. If you got out of bed this morning, God was faithful to you. If you're here, God has been faithful to you. If you've got food to eat this afternoon, God's faithful to you. And if you don't have food to eat this afternoon, i got people here that we can connect you with so you can go home with food today and God can be faithful to you through the ministry of Coastal. God is faithful to us every day. Let's watch for that. And thirdly, are you working hard and trusting God to make you effective? And maybe it's one or the other side of that coin that you need to work on. Maybe you need to work hard. Maybe you've just been taking a very lackadaisical attitude and saying, you know what, God's, God's got this, I'm just going to let him work through me, and then, you know, that's good, but let's not let that minimize our hard work. But let's not let our hard work become the thing that we think is going to get us anywhere. I'm going to work hard, and I'm going to ask God to establish the work of my hands to make me effective. It's going to be a good year, even if it's a hard year. It's a good year if I'm walking with God and honoring him in everything I do. Do you, think that's, do you think that's possible? Do you think that's some good perspective for a new year? I sure hope so. Let's, uh, you know, before we pray, I want to I wanna let you know this. There is, there is one other prayer uh, that there's maybe somebody here that I want you to think about. And if you are here and you've never come into a right relationship with God through Jesus, you've got one prayer to pray before you come to these. And it is this one. It's the prayer that will put you into a right relationship with God because apart from coming to God through Jesus, you have no hope. You will still remain under the wrath of God. So you come to God and you recognize, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I, I can't get to heaven on my own. I can't, I can't accomplish anything apart from you. I can't break this habit that I'm trying to break, or I can't, whatever, I need you in my life. I know I have sin in my life, and, and I'm coming to you, and I'm confessing my sin, and I'm asking you to take what Jesus did, that he died, and he was buried, and he came back to life again, and I'm, 
I'm asking you to apply that to my life. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin based on what Jesus did and to make me your child. And if you pray that prayer, God will do that. And the Bible describes it as transferring you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his son. It's an incredible thing and an amazing start to 2018 if that's what you need to do today. And we have people around willing to talk with you. There will be a couple of folks down here at the front after the service or I'll be here. There are people in our prayer chapel as you go out of the auditorium to the right, words up on the wall now, prayer chapel just above the circular window with the cross on it. Go out the, the double doors and into the prayer chapel. Someone will be there waiting to talk with you. If you would like somebody to pray with you about this year, you got something you're looking at and you're just thinking, I need to pray some of these things through, that's why they're here. They're here to pray with you and encourage your heart. I hope you will take advantage of that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I, uh, I'm really grateful for this past year. There are some things in my 2017 that I would not at all want to repeat, not even a little bit. And there are some things in my 2017 that I am just really grateful to have seen happen. But Lord, I pray that as I look forward to 2018, that you would give me a heart that longs after you and a desire to be alert to your faithfulness, to watch for your work and your power and to, have those, to see those things evident in my life. I want to use my days wisely. And Lord, I want to work hard and I'm asking you to make my work effective for your glory this year and for those here who are my brothers and sisters who are praying those same prayers quietly, I, I ask, Lord, that you would be powerful in our lives and honor your name through us this year. And, Lord, for those that are here that are not yet my brother or sister in Christ, uh, that have never trusted in Jesus and made their relationship right with you, I pray that you would I pray you'd bring conviction to them today. I pray that you'd help them to realize they have, they have no hope of getting uh, away from your anger until they come to Jesus, and then there is no more anger, no more condemnation. And I pray that you would be pleased with us as we sing this song and as we close, that our, our hearts would be uh, drawn to you and cement those things that you're doing in us right now, for I ask in Jesus' name, amen.